Welcome to the Determined People podcast. You know, it takes courage and integrity to step away from a 30-year career and begin anew. But that's exactly what today's guest did. Dell Likens had been a pastor in a traditional church for 30 years, but he felt like the church was becoming more and more interested in pre- preserving and perpetuating itself rather than focus on sharing the great news about this radical named Jesus Christ. He decided it was time to go a different direction. Yeah, Jesus was a radical with crazy ideas like love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Dale wanted to create an environment where people were not only welcomed, but they embraced these radical teachings. He encouraged people to celebrate who they are, the masterpiece God made them to be. Dale founded the Open Table Church, and in Dale's own words, the Open Table focuses on reconciliation, justice, wholeness, beauty, announcing that every person, every person bears the image of God, our creator. You know, this is an exclusiveness, I'm sorry, inclusiveness that's not always found in church. Oh, and as a side note, around the same time he started Open Table, Dale came out as gay. Now, Dale's still married. He has two daughters and two grandchildren. So let's get this conversation started. Welcome to the show, Dale. I'm really glad you're here. Well, thank you, Tom. It's good to uh, be able to talk to you today. So how many years had you been struggling with the decision to leave traditional church and find what I would call your true voice? Mm -hmm. That really had begun about um, 10 years before I uh, made the decision to do it for sure. And uh, I had, that was probably 10 years and two churches worth of, um, of pastoring at the time. Um, in the the last part of those 30 years. And I just started to really feel disconnected from the institution itself, from the system that I had been giving so much of my life to and um, feeling like there weren't, you know, people, that the system itself was not wanting to be in relationship with me, but um, was just more corporate in nature than... Uh, was comfortable for me. And so after experiences in, like I said, two churches and with different uh, folks in leadership above me, shall we say, in the hierarchy, um, I just decided that that was more of a cultural change than it was a personality thing. And I decided to not give any more time to that. I'm all about culture, so I I get that. Um, Yet you didn't leave the pastor. So, so how did you mm-hmm. how did you get the calling to become a pastor? Mm. Oh gosh, <laughs> and you you mean more than thirty years ago? Um, I was. It was one of those things, John, that just. Um, I'm not going to say it just it just happened. I mean, that, so I don't believe that, but um, it was just a. I think I found myself in leadership roles in churches. Um, you know, I was leading youth ministry. I was helping lead worship at times and um, was seeing my life starting to take a trajectory more toward uh, a career vocation, I would call it now, of helping people. Um, I was in an accounting uh, tract in in uh, college and then decided that uh, you know, I was feeling God lead me to uh, do social work. And so I was graduating in that degree, and I was at a – I remember the day I was uh, doing an interview for a social service agency for uh, troubled teens, and <laughs> the guy asked me the very 
typical uninspired question about what, where do you see yourself in five years? And I said, uh, I see myself using my gifts and, and the talents in the church some way. And I get to my car and I thought, where did that come from? <laughs> and I thought, well, you know where it came from. And I went home and told my wife, said, we need to talk. And she's done this more than once in our marriage. And she said, you're going to seminary, aren't you? <laughs> so it was like God was working <laughs> on both of us. So, so that's really how that call, you know, kind of grew into the decision to actually make that happen. So, you know, to actually go get the training I wanted um, and, and then come into ministry that way. Well, any regrets about that? No, not at all. Yeah, no. There's been a lot of great miracles, I'm sure, along the way. We're going to talk about mm-hmm. that late later. You know, when you, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to beat this into a, make it a, a, like a dead horse or anything, <laughs> but I want people to understand that a 30-year career and and, and uh, is a lot to walk away mm-hmm. from. It's not a sure. light decision. It impacts not just you, but your family, your relationships, mm-hmm. uh, the people that you have, you know, encouraged and pastored along the way. Uh, mm-hmm. There's there's a sense of loss for for them. Um, mm-hmm. Could you describe some of your inner struggle to overcome the the, the fear and embracing uh, and, and embrace who you are? I mean, and, and mm-hmm. what you wanted to do with your life, and that is. You know, have an inclusive type of a church, one that's more mm-hmm. focused on the, the again the radical teachings of Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. and not just the institution of the church. Yeah, I um, I really uh, just I, I, I I'm <laughs> there. We go. That's clear. No, I um, I began to realize that um, through a lot of of help, John. That's what kind of where I, my mind went several places at once because it's not just a, you know, I can't just pick one thing out and say, well, this is how I did it or this is what happened. Um, it was a journey that I've been on for a while and I've had help along the way, which I'm a big proponent of, a personal coach that was helping me and, you know, continue to grow in my own leadership skills as a pastor um, and she had been working with my ch- a couple of churches that I was pastoring as well uh, to set goals and, and make strategic plans and that sort of thing. I bring that up because I don't think I – well, I know. I would not have uh, made the decision I did, um, I don't think, uh, without the help I've had along the way to really help me focus on what I wanted to be about. So I had done that work. That's what I'm trying to say. I had done the work for myself uh, with God's Spirit and these other folks who were helping me for a while. Uh-huh. And so, um, you know, and so when the time came, um, I felt, you know, that I could take that step. Uh, and of course, there's the trusting in God, in God, but, you know, the that you're doing the right thing. On the other hand, though, it's like you, you named those things. It's really scary. Um, you know, we had lived in um, church um, church and parsonages for 30 years, um, so I didn't own a house. I uh, had never paid my own electric bill for, for 30 years or a utility bill or anything mm-hmm. because church, you know, provided all of that. Um, a relatively you know, good salary, of course, uh, after 30 years, a salary, pension, um, 
you know, hospitalization and all of that. Um, and of course, you mentioned relationships, and um, uh, so you know, I um, I think it's because of the work I'd done, like I said, um, and actually those relationships with people who I pastored, and some many of them had still been connected with me over the years and decades, and uh, you know, I just had this um, really had a community of people around me that held me and I really trusted that and I knew it was going to be okay. I'd really have, and that's really the crux of it. That's great because some, sometimes we just get this, I mean, I get this overwhelming feeling that everything's going to turn out fine and it always <laughs> does turn out the way it's supposed to, right? Right, and it that does never, never means that it's going to be easy or anything is, you know, like like that, but but it's uh, more comes, I think, for me, it's expressed in a deep sense that no matter what, God's got me and my family and the situation, and it's going to, like you said, come out the way it was supposed to, and it's right. going to be all right. So yeah. That's right. Now, what, where did the vision, the original vision for the open table come from? Is mm-hmm. this something you've been thinking about before you left the traditional church, or is this something that just you developed uh, organically mm-hmm. after you left and you could get away and think a little bit more clearly? Um, really, it had been coming in my... Uh, there are two parts of it, and, and one in particular had been some years coming, maybe five or six, and the other one was uh, becoming more clear within the last two years of, of that time period. So um, the open table... Um, is not, like you've been saying, it's not traditional, it's not institutional, it's not institutionally focused, we are missionally focused. And so I had been really passionate about that whole missional church movement for about five to six years before I, I left the, the denomination I was part of in 2019. And so that was really heavy, you know, really motivating me and, and was on my heart and mind a lot. The other part to that, uh, to the open table, uh, and it actually came first as far as the organization of the church, uh, is that it is an inclusive church and an affirming church. Um, and uh, that became more of an awareness for me in the last two or three years before I left. Uh, not that I, I guess, coming into an understanding for my own self that I really want to uh, be able to welcome all people to stop the harm that we were doing as the church to LGBTQ folks in particular and to be able to, um, uh, to, to marry who I wanted. The denomination I was in prohibited uh, marriage of same-gender couples. And I just uh, began to find myself misaligned with the rules um, as they were, had been affirmed and laid out by that denomination. So um, so it, the, the nucleus of it started with those things. And then, uh, and no, uh, John, I was not planning to leave the church that I was, the traditional church I was part of, and then start a new congregation. I really wasn't um, until a person uh, who, you know, I knew uh, reached out to me uh, when I told him that I was going to leave and said, you know, we could we could start a new congregation in our area that is open and affirming and 
Um, he offered a house that he had uh, that he owned uh, that was being rented, and said, you know, you could live there until you, you know, and get a good a place to get your, you know, a good foundation and kind of land while this transition is going on. And so, uh, really, uh, con- more conversation with him and of the spirit <laughs> and I uh, began to bring all of that together I say prompting of the spirit because I uh, I had told him at the time his name's Lee I was like you know I'm not sure when I'll do this I know I'm going to do it I'm going to leave this denomination I'm going to you know we're going to start the open table which you didn't have that name at the time all we called it then was a new thing <laughs> the new thing God was doing and so um, and I just began to to realize it was like, you know, God said to me, it wasn't long after that, probably just three days after he and I talked about making this, you know, helping this all happen. And I thought, well, maybe in a couple of years, you know, and it was, God was like, no, it's going to be now. It's going to be now. And so uh, within that was in like March of 2019. And I left in June of that year. You know, you're doing something that I admire, and it takes a lot of strength to do that because, you know, and I'm a Christian, as I shared with you in our in our you know, pre-interview phone call, and that, but that is mm-hmm. that Christians can sometimes be the worst about judgment. Like, oh, they're not our mm-hmm. Christian, and what what does that even mean? I mean, I I never saw Jesus turn anyone away. In fact, he would touch lepers. Nobody would touch a leper, and, and mm-hmm. he would do things that were just again. He's a, he was a radical. He was not this wimpy guy walking around with a, a baby lamb around his neck. He was a he was a he right. was a. I think he's a lot of fun to hang out with. First of all, but, but yes, uh, he was definitely uh, shaking things up in, in his mm-hmm. time and calling out. You know the religious leaders. Who were the guys? So, um, but I, I'm getting off subject. I apologize. Um, you know, and then around the same time, you came out as gay to your family and friends, and you mm-hmm. all. You know, you're kind of putting them through a lot there, Dale. <laughs> but it sounds oh, like you yes. have a wonderful family. It really does. <laughs> I do. How did, I do. How did, how did they respond to you? <laughs> oh, that all went really well i have to admit i mean it doesn't mean it's all been roses but um uh yeah it was about 20 in july of 2018 uh john is when i again this is god god was like working with me so much during that time um to bring so you know to bring different parts of this uh new life together um I was uh, watching a, a movie with my uh, wife. Um, we were watching Love, Simon, which is about a gay high school student who uh, is outed by someone in his school and has to deal with that. And I, uh, when it was over, there was something so much about that just spoke to me and I started to, I was in, in tears. I had always had as a follower, you know, as as a, uh, a kid and and teen and young adult is always that remember having same sex attraction and um and I called it my a struggle is this a struggle that I went through that was the type, you know the term I gave it um and the way I thought about it was that I had missed something growing up that if I had more 
you know, affection from my dad, if my dad was more emotionally present, if I had more male friends, if I just had more male bonding, you know, whatever that meant, just whatever, this, I could fill that place or I could change this and it would go away. And I had done counseling and other things. And, um, and it was at that moment with that movie, I, and I can't, you know, I'm not going to all of why, but it just, it just, uh, it was like, I would say it this way, it was like God sat down next to me and said, just give it up, Dale. It's not a struggle. It is, you know, you are gay, and there's nothing that's going to change that. Uh-huh. And uh, I had talked to my wife for, you know, she had known about my struggle for as long as we've been married, which at that point was 35 years. And so, um, again, I came to her uh, soon, nearly as soon as the movie was over, and I said, we need to talk, and I was in tears, and she said to me, um, so you really are gay, aren't you? <laughs> so I was like, okay, here it is. <laughs> she knows me more than I know myself. And then, and again, we had, again, talked about my struggle, so it wasn't a, com- a surprise. But to to know that the struggle was not something that was just going to go away if I counseled it away enough, sure. um, and that this was my reality and I needed to own it. And so... That was a big change, of course, and made a a, a big uh, shift in our lives. So, um, so she was supportive and is still. Um, that we decided we talked not long after that that we wanted to. You know, we loved our life, we our family structure, the way things were, and we enjoyed and loved each other. And so we wanted to continue. Uh, to figuring out how we could stay together and uh, still affirm that I was gay. And so we – go ahead. You know, and your your daughters, how did, how did they yeah. respond? So um, we didn't tell very many people, uh, just a couple, so that each of us had someone we could talk to um, and for about nine months. And so uh, at that point, about nine months later – we um in may i think of 2018 uh, no i take that back it was a, it was 2019 by then um we sat down with them and and i i said what i usually do cuz coming out is so stressful at least for me you know it's like i said i'm going to tell you something then we're going to back up and we'll talk more about it <laughs> so i told them you know uh, that i was gay and uh john i'm going to quote them they're 30 34 years old each and uh, they said well duh uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> and uh, they they knew they said their friends in high school had always told them that their dad was either the gayest straight man or was gay uh, that they had ever seen and so it was just always kind of a thing that, you know, they weren't completely surprised that that was where I ended up, you know, and kind of finding that truth for myself and claiming it. So, um, and they have been, you know, just great ever since. So that has been very good. That that takes one, you know, possible problematic dynamic out of the equation. And I'm grateful for that. Who is is Jesus to you? Oh my, Jesus. (laughs) Um, I would answer that by saying that Jesus is uh, 
God, man, manifested um, in this mystery uh, that we call the incarnation, because that's really important to me, This that Jesus in fleshes or put flesh on God's love and good news and um, shows us what that looks like, makes a way for us to be reconciled with that um, and uh, to live it. And so that, that I think, is our task as well. So. He was the in, most interesting person who ever lived. You know, and I always I say to people, say, whether you believe he is who he said he was or not, and I do, you can find mm-hmm. nothing wrong with his teachings. He never mm-hmm. did miracles for anyone. Yeah, for, uh, for, he never did miracles for himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was fully man and fully God. And how you were 200% right. or something, I don't understand. <laughs> you know, <laughs> no. This side of, of life. But, right. you know, he could calm the sea and, cre- and control the wind and raise the dead. But he also would get tired and have to go to sleep. So, mm-hmm. most mm-hmm. incredible man who has ever ever lived and changed mm-hmm. history. You know, mm-hmm. when you started the, uh, you know, you had a lot going on in 2018, 2019. Yes, there was a lot. <laughs> and being a pastor, um, that is one profession that has a high burnout rate. How are you keeping yourself mm-hmm. sane? Besides the the personal coach that you had, mm-hmm. you have a supportive supportive family, and that certainly is a yes is a stronghold. But how how did you keep yourself from getting burnt out? You were dealing with a lot emotionally. Mm-hmm. I have always been a person who guards my uh, time off, taking all my vacation that's coming to me, um, and really unplugging. I'm not one of those people who I have been, but I'm not anymore, who says, I'm on vacation, but you can call me if you want or text me. I'm like, I'm on vacation and don't call or text me because I'm on vacation. But you know, I say that, John, because that's really important, I think, you know, is having a balance. And again, having that balance, it's kind of like, you know, you, you can't just all of a sudden get the balance in the middle of all the stress. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, I've practiced balance in my life. Uh, through, you know, spiritual discipline um, and um, as well as I like yoga, I like meditating and praying and and, um, taking my time off, really disconnecting when I do that, taking all my vacation time, surrounding myself with people, both friends, family, and professionals, uh, some of which are now friends. Um, You know, I have a spiritual director. I had a coach. I still have a coach, although she's more my friend now than than than, than anything. And a counselor, uh, going through counseling, I kind of keep her on speed dial, <laughs> and um, um, and just good good support from friends uh, as well. You know, I know because I've seen it that when God is for something, that miracles happen. People will call it a success mm-hmm. story, or they'll call it coincidental. I don't believe in coincidence. No, uh, you know, Einstein said, "Coincidence is God's way of remaining anonymous," and I believe that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but as, as the as the open table was developing, you know, mm-hmm. share a, a, a miracle or success story or two. I mean, you've already talked about one with the man mm-hmm. offering his home, and mm-hmm. these things these things don't just happen. But uh, no. But describe a you know give us a give us a, a miracle that happened that you just sitting there going, "Okay, God, I know your hand was in this all the way." Mm-hmm. So, um, 
<laughs> I'm narrowing. I'm thinking narrow it down, narrow it down, um, because they're just. It's been surprise. It's awesome to 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 hear stories and to watch what's been going on. So, so the man who offered the house also offered us a space to meet, and that's hugely important. So we don't pay for that space. He has a business that has a big uh, open room about 1,300 square feet foot room, and uh, we use it to, to gather, and he offered me an office space in that uh, location as well. So that's just been awesome. Um, but in the, the uh, personal uh, connection side to, to that and the miracle of change lives is also story after story. Uh, I think of a person who contacted an aunt who and said, hey, I need to find a new church. Do you know anything? You know, what can I do? Who then get, got her in touch, who happened to happened, <laughs> who knew Lee, who I was talking about earlier, who has a house in the business, who then got her in touch with me. Um, and I met her and she shared her story of, being in this con- this church for 30 years, grew up in this church when she uh, was in leadership with children on the board, um, several things throughout her life and at the and currently. And then um, with tears in her eyes told me the hurt and, ha- and harm that had been done as she was rejected by that church and stripped of all of those roles even though they'd known her since birth or early on in her her life because she had come out huh. and um, she was looking for a place that she could continue to connect, be in community, uh, you know, and, and continue growing in her relationship with God. And so, um, and she's still with us uh, in many, you know, and and, and that story, John, just gets multiplied over and over again. Um, and so I've gotten to watch, first of all, hear people's heartbreaking stories and then watch them come into new life uh, in a place that's safe in a place that uh, they had never thought they would find. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying we are not the only church around that is an open, affirming, celebrating church. Uh, that's what we always <laughs> That's another thing we say. We don't just welcome you. We're going to celebrate who you are. Uh, and so, but we are one um, of the few, I don't know if there's another in our particular location that, uh, there is one, I guess. But anyway, I'm just saying that that's something people are looking for. They have been, and usually it's because they've been hurt and harmed in some way. They've been rejected, kicked out, and they're looking for a place to be. And so I count those, John, every one of them as miracle stories um, that I get to, to witness. They are miracle stories, and, and, and that's what, and with, to allude back to what I was talking about earlier, and that is, you know, God doesn't kick anybody out or reject any, mm-hmm. anybody. Anybody. Mm-hmm. Anybody. He doesn't play favorites. As much as I like to think I'm one of the top guys, I'm not. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? No. He looks, he looks at you and me the same way. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I'm afraid you're right. That's right. <laughs> and everybody 
everybody that we meet, every person has that hole in their heart they're trying to fill. You can't fill it with cars or a bank account or a hotter girlfriend or sex or anything else. It can only mm-hmm. be filled by that spiritual fulfillment. You know, the 17th century French philosopher wrote about, uh, Blaise Pascal wrote about the mm-hmm. God-shaped vacuum inside the hole of every person's heart. Mm-hmm. And I think that is so applicable. Every person needs that. But because of possible shame, guilt, or they think they're going to get beaten up in church or rejected, mm-hmm. they don't go. Mm-hmm. They don't go. Now, mm-hmm. you have a yet-to-be-titled book coming out. <laughs> I have a yet-to-be almost finished, but uh, yes, I just got the the well, I'll call it the second draft is getting ready to be handed back to my editor uh, this week, I'm hoping. Um, yes, I do, John. Um, I started that idea came really was put on my heart about four years ago. It's been about four years in the making. Um, and I went through, <laughs> um, I'm going to try to be short about my answer, but I went through or telling you about that. It started with voice therapy. I had a really bad uh, situation with my throat. Uh, my voice was getting hoarse just in the course of a normal day, and that had never happened to me before. And long story short, I ended up in voice therapy, which I thought, okay, you know, let's see what when the doctor suggested that, a specialist, and uh, found out it was just a, it was absolutely life changing thing. And so it kind of began the idea of that, of this book. And what happened is I realized through what the therapist was helping me to do that I held a lot of tension in my body around my neck and my shoulders and, you know, and lots of other places too. But, and, and so, you know, in the process of trying to learn to breathe correctly, to not force found out, but to let it just happen, um, you know, the the realization that so much tension was held in my being and had become so normal to me that I wasn't aware how deep that was. And so uh, landed me back in counseling and, uh, you know, starting to work on like reveal what, what's going on. And uh, in the book, I reveal what's going on, Uh, you know, some things that I discovered and that I uh, found out. And then I also take people through what I just described to you uh, through that journey in 2019, because all of it really was this process of being authentically me and using my voice um, uh, in ways that I had felt like had been denied me for a long time and sometimes I let that happen and other times it was taken away shall we say so um, so that's what you know the book is a memoir about that time in my life when will it be published well that's a good question I don't know the uh, the editor is an editor that's working with me personally and then after we get it where we want it, we'll start looking around at pitching it to different places. So I have no idea. So let's just say, you know, who knows, maybe in a couple of years it'll be on Oprah's Book Club. So, uh, <laughs> Fantastic. Well, <laughs> but, but, John, I have no idea. But, you know. 
Well, when it is published, I want to have you back on and talk, talk okay. deeper about that. Um, how do people find you, and how do people find the Open Table Church? All right. So finding me, um, you can do. You can find me at the Open Table Church, um, and also at Dale Likens, L-Y-K-I-N-S dot com, and on my website, um, there's a connect. There's a tab for a, a bit about my book about. Um, coaching that I'm doing to help other people find and live their authentic life and cut through some of the stuff that keeps them from that. Uh, speaking engagements that uh, you can book there and see more about that, as well as a connection. There's a link to the open table and then some other information too, of course. So the open table is uh, the open table org, And uh, that is the, the, there's two ways people find this mostly. Uh, Facebook, social media, and our website. So they will go looking for affirming, open affirming churches. And, uh, you know, we, we, they get connected with us that way. We're also listed in gaychurch.org and a couple of other places. There's one called uh, churchclarity.org. Uh-huh. Um, both of those are places that folks can go to find open and affirming churches in that that are near to near their location and uh, we are certified you have to go through a process and then once uh, you pass and get through that you can be listed on their website and we've had several people find us that way um, and they uh, want to be sure yeah they want to be sure that uh, and it's called the switch and bait or bait and switch they want to be sure that they have churches listed that will not say they're welcoming of everyone and then people get connected with the church and then find out that there's a limit at which they can go. Like they can't be in leadership if they're an LGBTQ person or they can't get married or they can't, uh, you know, they, um, uh, you know, at some point they just might find that they're not, they may welcome folks but not really accept them. So anyway, that's the, that's the, the uh, reason. That's what uh, Clarity Church, or I'm sorry, GayChurch.org and Church Clarity try to do. So. Got it. Well, you know what? I want to, I want to, again, commend you for all that you're doing and, and the, the work that you're doing in this world because there's no question God is behind you. Um, he connected us some way and somehow, and I don't mm-hmm. try to figure that out because I would be digging my nose in the corner all the time if I spent too much time inside my head there. Right. So many people, Dale, are looking for two things, their identity and their purpose. Who am I and why am I here? And you found yours. So mm-hmm. Absolutely. I give God thanks for that. And so I want to say real quick um, about still, you know, the decision to stay married to uh, Shelly, my wife now 38 years. Um, we are in, we discovered there are other people like us, and we, it's called a mixed orientation marriage, uh, not necessarily an easy thing at all Uh, we have great marital counselor who we see regularly um and we just continue to try to negotiate our lives together i just wanted to earlier i wanted to be sure that i said that and i did not uh, lest people think that you know we just made that decision and it's just been this you know smooth sailing (laughs) um (laughs) it is not but uh, but we have made it three years, and we're doing better than we did, and we are really grateful to that. So as you're giving God thanks for purpose and, and clarity and, and authenticity, um, that also comes into play. So 
very much. And I'm glad you I'm glad you brought that up because that is important. You mean your your mm-hmm. your wife and your daughters are, and grandchildren are that's yep. your group and that's your family yeah. and yeah. and it's it's part of that's part of your not your identity personally but it is part yeah. of who you are and and what yeah. makes you who you are you are a husband Absolutely. and a father and yeah. a pastor and a grandfather and and leader mm-hmm. and so yeah. um but I'm glad that you I'm glad you brought that up yeah life doesn't give you a manual on how to do these things right <laughs> no oh no not at all Life is kind of like just a real shit show, and you just kind of figure yes, it, it out, you know, yes, and right. go, go through the abyss and figure it out as you go along. And thank goodness we do have a creator who loves us and doesn't mm-hmm. want to harm us, wants to help us. Mm-hmm. We just mm-hmm. need to slow down and listen. So, yeah, indeed. Yeah. But thank you for thank you for being right. on the Determined People podcast. Thank you, John. I, I All right. greatly appreciate your time. And, and to our listeners, thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting us and, and, and consistently listening to us. If you like the if you like the podcast, please go on iTunes and give us a review. It, it helps us. And, and if you don't like the podcast, don't worry about the review. We've got plenty. But anyway, <laughs> I will see everyone back tomorrow for another one minute inspirational thought. Until then, thank you, Dale, and thank you to everyone thank you, John. for listening.